0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host author Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavant and The Low Ledger. Today, I will be chatting with author Jan Leland, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of After the Before Times. This is Leland's first novel. Jan Leland is a part-time mental health outpatient therapist for a michigan-based neuropsychology clinic in ann arbor she has a ba in journalism and a master's in social work from msu hello jen how are you on this lovely hot summer day
1: (laughs) i'm pretty good emma thank
0: you for inviting me awesome glad to have you so as a journalist which paper did you write for
1: I did a lot of freelance for different Mm -hmm. papers, and I wrote for a time uh, for the Lansing State Journal. Okay.
0: Did you like doing that?
1: Uh, I did. I wrote about women's issues mostly because that was my minor when I got my journalism degree, and um, that's what led me really back to school to get my MSW. Awesome.
0: Awesome okay can you tell us a little bit about the title of your book after the before hyphen times can you explain that to
1: us well i'll try uh <laughs> back when i wrote the book and started the book that was something that began to be kind of a catchphrase. um you know before the pandemic was before times and uh, no one talked too much about the after times but there was a lot of talk about the before times And so I thought, wouldn't that be a great title, After the Before Times?
0: Yes. So the book is set during the pandemic, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. Could you give us a brief summary of After the Before Times?
1: I could. It is a novel that starts out and is primarily um, focused on what is called the Clearview Inn. The Clearview Inn is a fictional bed and breakfast that is supposedly very popular in southeast Michigan on a lake. Uh, But during the 2020 pandemic and into 2021, there weren't a lot of people taking vacations at inns. So what they did, the owners turned it into sort of a boarding house. And we have this Bunch of people who come to the inn through very different circumstances and for different reasons, and they become like this unit, this pod, and they get through the pandemic together and they Mm -hmm. have their good times, they have their bad times. (laughs) Um, They just uh, become sort of like a family. There's the owners of the inn, that's a couple. Uh, There's a brave physician that works at a local hospital, ends up there, um, a bookstore owner. An entrepreneur from Detroit, an unhoused person, several displaced people, a handyman and his immigrant mother. Those are the main characters. There are some other characters that round out the story and add perspective that I think and I hope illustrates the themes that I wanted to present in the
0: book. Okay, so these are the major protagonists, right? These uh, it's seven characters, right? Can you describe at least one of them?
1: I can um I can describe probably the doctor. Okay. Um, he's sort of the focus in a lot of ways because he's he gets sick from covid himself while working at his hospital, but he also treats people, his patients, and he also helps the people at the inn because somebody there comes down with covid. Um so he plays a person that wears many hats and has many struggles with uh, with what to do, with very little um, information about COVID at the time, and yeah. uh, does a lot of research, does a lot of uh, talking to colleagues around the country and around the world to try to figure out how to help his patients and the people at the inn who are ill. He gets ill himself and has long COVID in the story. But yeah. he's um, he's like a lot of these characters. He's very resilient. And um, he's, he's willing to go above and beyond. And that's what happened in the pandemic. A lot of people went above and beyond. Yes,
0: absolutely. What is this doctor's name?
1: His name is Brandon Nash.
0: Mm-hmm. Brand- Dr. Brandon Nash. Okay. What inspired this novel?
1: Well, I like to say what caused this novel. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was myself locked down for 11 months during the pandemic from March of 2020 to February of 2021 in my house, away from friends, away from family. Many of the people I knew are in the medical profession, and um, so it was dangerous in a way for me as an older person to be in touch with these people in the beginning of the pandemic. So I sort of locked myself down. I did my work, my mental health treatment, but I had a lot of free time. And um, I thought to myself, what what are you going to do with all this uninterrupted time? And also, what are you going to do to not feel so isolated? (laughs) Right. (laughs) so i said well i always wanted to write a novel i've written other things i've written a article in mm-hmm. a journal and a psychiatric textbook uh chapter but i haven't written anything creative so i decided to do it and um i created these characters and they kept me company during the
0: during awesome. the isolation <laughs> what is the genre of this novel uh the publisher qualified it as a
1: contemporary fiction. Um, I wanted to call it a historical fiction, but I guess time has to go on a little ways before this can this story of the pandemic can be considered historical
0: historical. Probably. Yeah. What sets you apart from other authors in this genre? Contemporary fiction?
1: Well, Oh, that's a hard one, Emma. Mm,
0: <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you work in the profession, right? That's one number one. <laughs> well,
1: maybe I didn't understand your question. You mean I work in the mental health profession right. mostly. This this was very an kind of a different thing for me to do. Mm-hmm.
0: But still, I mean, in a way, it helped, right?
1: Well, it did. Yeah. It, helped my men, it
0: helped my mental health. To your mental health? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how long did it take you to write this novel?
1: I wrote it along with the pandemic. So I started the book in March of 2020, which was when we really became aware that there was a pandemic. Uh-huh. And as I went through the months and the holidays and so forth, uh, each, each day I would write about it. So when it was let's say, uh, holidays, the the, mm-hmm. the December holidays in uh, 2020, um, I would write about it even though I was going through it myself. Or if it was uh, New Year's, I would have my New Year's and then I'd write about my character's New Year's. So it went on for about a year, from March 2020 to February 2021. It, I kind of took it to the point where I myself had vaccine and other people were getting vaccines, and I thought that was a good place to sort of um, – talk about the aftertimes. So there's a little bit of, uh, there's a last part of the book that's the aftertimes. But most of most of the book takes place in that 11 months that I was locked down my, myself.
0: Okay. So from the idea to the final product, it probably took longer than 11 months, right?
1: It probably took about 12 or 13 months. And uh-huh. then I sent it off to some publishers and I didn't hear anything for the longest time. And then I got a contract in the mail. So um, that that really did go. Uh, that really did go on for a long time through that publishing process.
0: Okay, who are the publishers?
1: Austin Macaulay.
0: Okay. Based in what city? They have uh,
1: offices in New York, London and uh, Dubai.
0: Okay, So when and why did you start writing? All together.
1: I've always written. I mean, I was interviewed by somebody else and I went back to the third grade and I told him I wrote an essay for the Detroit Institute of Arts and I won a writing contest when I was in the third grade. Um, and then I was, you know, that I was a journalist and that's writing. And then no I writing. wrote professional academic articles and things. And I've, I did write some poems at one time in college, but I mean, nothing like this. This is really... Yeah, this is, this really is something
0: insane. else, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what was the biggest challenge in writing after the before times? Well, to
1: be honest, the demographics of the characters as a privileged white heterosexual middle class cis female, <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to speak for or appropriate the um, lived experience of other people, but, but at the same time, I couldn't see writing a novel that. That was all white, straight middle class people. Right. So sure, I decided to take the chance that that I, that I hopefully don't have too much implicit bias. I wrote about uh, two gay people. I wrote about a black family. I wrote about an unhoused person. So I went out of my comfort zone a little bit and out of my own um, privileged environment to to try to write um, and include these characters from a diverse background because I thought that that they should be included. It should be a varied people.
0: <laughs> that must have been challenging, right? Yeah, it was. I it was I, I put
1: a lot of thought into it and I, I tell people I welcome the criticism. If I didn't do a good job of um uh, of creating those characters who are not mm-hmm. in the same culture or same identity as myself, I'm sorry, but I wanted to include people who, who were different and I'll take the criticism.
0: Sure. How about the most gratifying part in writing this?
1: You know, the most gratifying part was a old friend of mine who found me. uh, She and I grew up together in Farmington Hills Mm -hmm. in in the 70s. I Mm -hmm. hate to say that. And and we found each other because uh, she saw this book was being publicized and she knew me and she got in touch and she said, I want to tell you, I bought your book and I read it and my husband died last December. He didn't die of COVID, but he passed away of cancer. And on page 144, the way you talked about what it feels like and how angry you can become when you lose somebody, Mm -hmm. that really spoke to me. And I took it into my therapist's office and we spent a whole session talking about it and it was really healing.
0: So to hear something like that, was really gratifying. I can't tell you. Yes. How about surprises? Anything surprised you while you were writing this book, putting it together and the flow of it? Any (laughs) surprises? (laughs) Surprises? me that i wrote it Um, (laughs) yeah that's the biggest surprise of all (laughs) yes
1: i mean i could have done a lot of other things with my time like i could have painted my house or something but i just decided i decided now's the time if you're ever going to write a novel do it when you're when you're unable to leave your house for 11 months you know it'll give you plenty of time and opportunity so yeah um I think some one of the surprises was how much you do get into your characters as a writer. Mm-hmm. I I I needed to kill somebody off, I thought. And I kept going through the characters and thinking, who am I gonna kill off? And I loved them off so much I couldn't kill any of them off. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you think about them, you think, Oh, I hope she's okay. <laughs>
0: you know? Right. It, yes. After the book ends, I hope she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you had it pretty much under control, right? Um, pretty much, yes. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what do you feel you did right that no one could have done it like you? No one in this world.
1: Oh, my. Well, I don't put myself up on a pedestal like that, but... um know how to answer that. I think anybody can be a writer. Okay. I, I don't, th- I think if you, if you have the time, one mm-hmm. thing they say about women, especially is we never have uninterrupted time, we'd right. have a lot more women writers if we had uninterrupted time. But mm-hmm. I just happened to have this piece of un- uninterrupted time. And I did something positive with it to save myself from the isolation and to exercise my creativity that that I'd always wanted to do so I think anybody can make something good out of something bad and I think writing is especially something everybody should try
0: yes I feel the same way what would you have done differently Hmm.
1: oh my goodness (laughs)
0: well maybe nothing but maybe you feel that it was perfect or you know from your feedback from your beta readers maybe any suggestions and if not then you're pretty much comfortable with the way you did it right
1: yes I get I've gotten good reviews um
0: -hmm.
1: you know I uh, there's a few things I would change just as I have read through it again you know there's Mm -hmm. a Things I might have changed. Someone pointed out to me I made an error. Um, I talked about the heavy snow falling, and uh, the degrees of temperature would not have allowed there to be a great heavy snow falling. So,
0: oh well, that that's nothing. (laughs) So so
1: I I know that every every author has things they I'm sure they wish they did a little differently. I. I'm pretty happy with it. Good, excellent.
0: What have you learned about yourself from writing this book?
1: That I can take a crisis, which it really was for myself, mm-hmm. locked down like that. That I can take was- a crisis and I can do something with it, with it. that's positive. Um, and I'm I'm proud of myself for that. And, I, and mm-hmm. I talk about that a lot as part of the theme in the book is really. Whatever life gives you, even if it's a pandemic, you have to do something good with it.
0: You have you to did. find a way. You I have I tried. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the takeaways from after the before times?
1: Well, there's themes that I could yeah. tell you about. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, mental health themes are, uh, are important to me because I'm a mental health provider. And certainly there are mental health issues with COVID. Another theme: um, the effect of uh, the the pandemic on hospital personnel mm-hmm. in my fictional hospital. I tried to I tried to really show that um, they were very brave. Um, life lessons, grief, and loss, of course. I also attempted to show the disproportionate effect of COVID on poor and food insecure people, mm-hmm. um, which is a uh, kind of a pet pet project of mine. Um, I also wanted to make note of the heroism of ordinary people doing ordinary jobs. You know, the grocery grocery Uh workers and the truck drivers and the bus drivers, you know, they took their life in their hands working during COVID for us, you Uh know, for the rest of us. And I don't think they get the appreciation they deserve. But for a little while there, we did consider them essential workers. We did.
0: Um,
1: Uh And the resilience of people um to to find ways to cope I guess those are the main takeaways for me
0: sure. and what year was the book published
1: this year 2023
0: okay all right uh would you do it all over again your writing career both as a journalist then as a therapist and now as a brand new author on the scene
1: I do feel like I'm at a crossroads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I uh,
1: I'm about to retire from from mental health work in the next uh-huh. few years, I suppose. Um and I don't have any wish to go back to journalism, but uh I I didn't want to say goodbye to my characters, my main characters, so I have got a few pages written into a sequel.
0: Into a I don't sequel. know if it will
1: I don't know if it'll be published. I don't know if I'll finish it. I sure don't have as much uninterrupted time as hey. I did with with after the before times, but um but I just might write another one. Okay.
0: Do you have a draft title?
1: Uh I'm not sure if it should be after um yeah, uh yes, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: oh that's all right that's fine <laughs> even if you
1: uh, don't have one yeah. <laughs> i do have one but i'm trying to remember what it is because for some reason i just got very anxious um it, after news
0: of death after news of death okay i finally killed off a character <laughs> <laughs> you had to right so you can continue I had to. You had to. I had to. there was nothing else you could have done <laughs> i had to <laughs> okay, what is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person or virtual author's event?
1: Well, think right now, uh, because I'm talking to you uh, from my home, which is 97 degrees. <laughs> and uh, I have... You're no, on the phone, uh, Right. I'm on the phone instead of my computer, and I have no uh, electricity. And um, we had a terrible storm in Ann Arbor uh, last night, and I think most of this area, probably for twenty thirty miles around, is without power. Um, so it's been a it's been a, a bizarre thing to come on and do a podcast uh, when I haven't had a shower and I'm sweating yeah. and you know well you're doing I, an awesome job <laughs> thank you I'm a trooper I try <laughs> yeah you
0: sure are so when are you getting back your power
1: we don't know they told us Thursday but um you know it's
0: it's yeah, Thursday I, I, don't I, I know. do know how it goes yeah <laughs> okay what's next for Jen on your writing journey so obviously your sequel right I think so mm-hmm I think and it will be. how about any author's events in person? Do you have anything planned that you would like I to? I do. There's a mm-hmm. there's a
1: local bookstore in Ann Arbor, Shuler's Books, Schuler Books. And um, I've talked with uh, their representative in their um, main corporate headquarters in Grand Rapids. And they're planning for me to do a book signing and a talk sometime in September. Okay. Um, And I just finished last week a talk for a big health system. I was talking about the impact of COVID on healthcare personnel because of my book kind of delving into that. Mm -hmm. And I was interviewed by um, a woman who does a, um, like a lunch and learn type of program through uh, a large health center here Mm -hmm. in Michigan, in um, upper, in um, Western Michigan. So the it seems like I get little invitations here and there, so we'll see what happens. Sure,
0: sure. just keep on rolling, right? Okay, Jen, yeah. would you like to read to us?
1: I can read from my book. Yes. <laughs> okay, couple minutes here. The Clearview Inn in Kego Harbor, Michigan, was built in the ni- in the 1850s. It had been a part of the Underground Railroad. At that time, Elizabeth Montgomery, a wealthy widow and local social reformer, owned the sprawling house. She reportedly provided safe haven to hundreds of escapees from enslavement as they made their way to freedom in Canada. The mansion rose opulently from the brown dirt. It had a complicated and asymmetrical architecture with rooms jutting out in all directions. In its youth, it was an imposing Victorian masterpiece of elaborate trim in bright colors with tiled roofs on two different levels. The glistening stonework around the entry was locally quarried. The rocks sparkled with blue gold stone because they were naturally infused with flecks of copper. The lake breeze buffeted the house from the front and the land behind spread out for acres. To each side of the property were fields full of wildflowers and small animals. Past the field to the west, there was a small dairy farm, and to the east, a sad and splintered boat deck, boat dock, and a small beach. Not much is known about the house from 1870 through the turn of the 20th century. It was rumored that distant relatives of Ms. Montgomery held on to the place after her death, yet no one actually lived there again until the 1920s. It was bought by a man from Alpena, Charles Weston. He planted apple trees on the expanse of land behind the house. Two generations of his family successfully milled the apples into sweet cider apple butter in a small brown outbuilding that he constructed. His apple enterprise helped the small lakeside town of Kegel Harbor to grow and prosper. The lake was later named Orchard Lake for the bounty of fruit associated with the land. In the late 1950s, the house languished again vacant and in complete disrepair. A monolith structure, the two-story house, still jutted out from the sandy shoreline, dirt in many directions, but the portico and its white columns had collapsed back into the earth. The colors were muted now, but the entry rock still had a car- coppery sparkle. The acres of orchard surrounding the house had somehow managed to continue to produce succulent apples. School children harvested them every fall for decades as they sauntered and scampered around the lake on their way to and from school. The house, an abandoned and neglected albatross, stood out as an eyesore to most boaters and neighbors who lived and worked around Orchard Lake. The Marlins, Annette and John, bought the picturesque spot in 2015, they moved to Kegel Harbor, to to the Kegel Harbor House from Canton, and began their journey. I'd like to offer anyone who's listening an opportunity to have this book for free. I would like to send it to you. All you have to do is email me with the subject line, book podcast giveaway, and the email address, you have to be the first the email address is Lelandauthor at gmail.com. That's L-E-L A-N-D author at gmail.com.
0: Okay, one more time.
1: L-E-L A-N-D author at gmail.com.
0: Perfect. Excellent. Uh, Okay, parting shots from each one of us. You first, Jen. You're my guest. What would you like to leave our listeners with?
1: I would like to leave them with an interest in reading about these interesting characters and going back and thinking about things that happened during the pandemic. Maybe finding out that you're still suffering from some of the things that went on during that time. And maybe needing to, um, to to work on those things, or going back and thinking about, you know, how you can relate to to some of these characters that go through friendships, hardships, and pitfalls, and joys, and other kinds of um, experiences. All with the background of the pandemic, we, we were living our lives, and we were doing our work, and we were raising our kids, and <laughs> and we were dealing with a pandemic all at the same time. So I'd really like that to be sort of a, a touch touchstone for
0: people. So do you feel the book has healing properties? Someone who cannot recover maybe from their friend or husband who has died or who died, you know, From so would a person like that relate to it?
1: Well, you know, the story I told about my friend whose husband died of cancer, mm-hmm. definitely there was yes. some healing for her. I, sure. I kind of think I kind of think if you lost somebody to COVID, to that's the COVID cool. illness, I wouldn't read the book. I think it would be very triggering.
0: Triggering. That's a okay. Group,
1: yeah, a triggering mm-hmm. of, of grief and, and sadness okay. and loss. And so mm-hmm. that, that's the one group of people that I really think you have to maybe give it a little more time to go more back time. and
0: yeah, okay. delve into those those events. Okay. I wondered about that. That's good advice. That's just Thank my, you. Just my just my yeah, Well, that sounds <laughs> good. All right. And my parting shots are Write Indie, Buy Indie, and Read Indie. Read your local newspapers for inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.